And it is a special bonus Friday weekend edition of the Callahan Podcast, an interview, a uh, long-form interview, but with a guy that we've been trying to get on for a few months because he's in the middle of everything. He's just kind of one of those guys. Uh, we refer to his columns all the time. We read them. We watched them when he was on FS1. Jason Whitlock, I've called him the guy who is pushing back the hardest against the uh, current insurrection or the second hardest. Tucker's number one and Whitlock is number two and it's a few other guys on the list. We're somewhere in the top 10 pushing back against the unrest and the un- uprising and Whitlock does it every day. Now he's doing it for OutKick. He was at Fox Sports 1. It was a bold move. We'll talk about that and Kaepernick and Deshaun Jackson and Jamel Hill and much, much more with uh, Whitlock on this special edition of the Callahan Podcast um, commercial free. We're going to do this one commercial free. So uh, enjoy our little chat with Whitlock. All right, Callahan, let's do it. This is the Jerry Callahan Podcast. All right, I am fired up. I'm excited. Joining us now is Jason Whitlock. You, most people, most of my listeners know Whitlock because we talk about him all the time, but he's a, he was a big star. He was a big star. He went from Kansas City. Whoa. He he, he he was not good. on Fox Sports 1. You were kind of like, you know, a big star at Fox, which I thought was pretty cool. And we I watched and I, I followed you and I thought you had a good thing going. And you gave it all up to go to a little upstart out of Nashville called Outkick. And the best part about it was your initial column, which I, I talked about. I read it on my podcast. I got it in front of me. It took big ones. You have big. I knew. I always knew you had big ones, Whitlock. But this one, this move is 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 huge, and I can't tell you how much I respect it. What the hell made you leave L.A. for Nashville? Well, the desire to be my own boss and the freedom uh, and the comfort to say whatever it is I actually believe. And if you just look around at the corporate media space now. It's very hard to say what you actually believe without getting sideways with some someone, some sponsor, some executive that's uh, afraid. Uh, so much of the media is pressured into going with the groupthink of social media. And so and then if you just look around at the people from Joe Rogan to Dave Portnoy at Barstool Sports to Bill Simmons at The Ringer, the people that are uh, maximizing their financial value are the people that have the balls to have their own platforms. And so partnering with Clay Travis at OutKick just, to me, made a lot of sense. It's, you know, my career has been filled with me taking risks. This will be probably be the last big risk I take. I feel like, uh, you know, at 53, if I don't do it now, I'm never going to do it. And so, you know, we're going to try to build our own platform and uh you know become a power player in the sports media space were were you were you handcuffed at fox sports one no i can't say i was handcuffed but i I would say that my goal jerry at all times is to be the very best at whatever it is i'm doing if i can't win the super bowl or whatever it is i'm doing i'm gonna go play in another league or go play another sport And I just think, and I say this without, you know, criticizing anybody, but Fox Sports had other priorities that were ahead of my show, Speak for Yourself. 
And, uh, you know, I can't blame them for that. They made commitments and they have a point of view that, you know, where we couldn't come to an agreement about the priority of my show. Really? Uh, and so I'm going to go someplace where I can be a priority and where I can play for the Super Bowl. So that's what I did. Was it tough? I mean, I, I I picture you. You're in L.A. You're a star. You're enjoying L.A. I mean, you're a strip club kind of guy. You like L.A. No, no, I used to be. <laughs> you go ahead. To, you used to enjoy yourself. Now you yeah. only eat one meal a day, so you're kind of yeah. boring. But uh, And I like Nashville, too. But going from L.A. to Nashville for Jason Whitlock, how difficult did you stay up all night for like pre, uh, making this call, making this decision? No, not really at all. You got. I'm an Indianapolis boy. I'm a Midwest boy through and through. Kansas City. I spent a long 16 years there right. as a sports columnist. That's who I am. I'm very boring out here in LA. Very boring. If I socialize on the West Coast, I'll go over to Las Vegas and socialize. But here at home in LA. You know, I go to dinner at Wally's down the street from me in, in Beverly Hills or whatever. And, and but, you know, hanging out at clubs and the old, the old look, strip club Whitlock used to be a thing. Now it's one mil Whitlock. And just at 53, some of the things that I used to enjoy being out late at night and be chasing uh, women too young for me, I just don't enjoy that anymore. <laughs> oh, really? Really? Yeah. See, I, here's chasing, I mean, when chasing. <laughs> not necessarily catching. When I saw the move, heard about the move, I, I thought, man, that takes balls. That is, that is a bold move. And then I read your first column and you started cranking out the columns, by the way, which yeah. is not easy. I know how it is. I mean, you, I, you obviously put your heart into these columns, but your first column is headlined for the love of God. I'm here for my country, and it is about spirituality and patriotism. It is about God and country, and it it made all the, it made sense. Then, when I read this, I mean, I was you know a couple paragraphs in, I said this all makes sense because this is not the direction. Even at Fox Sports One or Fox, this is not the direction the mainstream media is going. And I know if you go down this road there's going to be pushback and I'm, I'm sensing that you have the freedom now to be who you are, which is a patriotic Christian. Yeah. And you know, I don't want to point it directly at Fox sports because that's not accurate, but in the mainstream media, it is very secular and it is very hard to explain how your religious faith impacts your worldview. There's a hostility to, towards that across the medium spectrum. And so I just feel like for people to fully understand my point of view, and this is it's been my point of view for as long as I've been involved in the media, for me to give a full explanation of why I think the way that I do and what's really driving me, I needed to get back to writing and I needed to be in a platform where I could go as long as I wanted with the explanation television and the kind of television I was doing at Fox Sports, you get to speak for 60, 90 seconds at a time. And then you got to wait two or three minutes for other people to talk. And then it circles back to you. It's hard to really explain it, particularly when your thoughts are as uh, outside the mainstream as mine are. It takes a little time for people to explain because it's a lot of things are original ideas to people. And that requires some explanation that's hard to do on a television show that's 
intended for everybody to talk 60, 70 seconds at a time. But I would say you had commentaries that were two minutes long, three minutes long that went viral. They had a real impact. You were heard. Um, I mean, I'm reading you now online at Outkick or, or on Twitter. Do you feel like you don't, your voice isn't quite as, as loud as it was? Uh, Jerry, I, I would completely disagree with you. I feel like my voice is much louder. And, and, and I say that I'm not lying to myself. I'm talking about the reaction I'm getting from people really reaching Good. out to me directly, coaches, uh, people connected to ownership, uh, athletic directors, uh, you know, I'm hearing from people. And again, writing is the thing I do best. I think I'm a pretty good te- uh, radio host, pretty good te- television host. But I think I am as good as anybody when it comes to writing a sports opinion. And me doing that on a consistent daily basis. I think I've written 30 columns in 31 days or whatever. I'm impressed. I got to tell you, as a guy who's done it, man, that's not easy. And you are yeah. cranking them out and they're not they're not mail-in jobs at all. They're, they're yeah. kind of thoughtful. And so, and Jerry, you got to understand for someone like me, that's, you know, faith-based and this goes all the way back, even when I was a bad boy and I probably still am a bad boy, but I've always been faith-based and I've always believed if there was a more powerful form of communication than writing, God would have put the Bible out on <laughs> DVD or <laughs> VHS. On, he on Twitter, he put it on Twitter. Yeah. Except you know, if you have a blue check mark, no one would have seen it yesterday. Um, well, I'll tell you what I have dubbed you, and it's a compliment because, and which is another reason I found it so surprising that you moved, made this move in the uh, on June first. Correct, that was your first uh, June fifteenth. Uh, when was your when was the announcement? Fifteenth. Okay, June fifteenth. I have declared you as the guy pushing back against the insurrection. This who's doing the second most among uh, media people to push back against this current insurrection, you are number two to Tucker Carlson. And that's high praise because he's fighting back every night, as you know, but you are hitting a nerve because there are people who are worried about the direction. And I'm not just talking about Kaepernick. I'm talking about the country. I'm talking about, you know, Portland and Seattle and New York and, and Baltimore. And, and there's this wave of, these things, these secularism and this, uh, uh, you know, um, anti-patriotic wave, you know, anti-American wave. And and there you have Whitlock, who's not just, you know, African-American, but he's been around, he's well-established, and he is pushing back hard against this wave. Do you feel that? Do you feel that? No question about it. And I think it's very high praise. Uh, to put me at number two, I would actually rank me number one and Tucker number two. But, you know, you can have your uh, deal however you want it. But, but Jerry, I'm going to say this in more seriousness. One of the reasons I'm doing this is because I and again, it's a financial decision. It's about a payday down the road. No question. I am a capitalist. But part of the other reason I'm doing it is because I am concerned about the country and I felt like, and Jerry, help me if I'm wrong, but I think for broadcasters on radio, on TV, I think some of them have the same instincts that I have, that Tucker Carlson has, that you have. But when there's no one out there writing anything for a radio talk show host, 
to get their gut instincts confirmed and perhaps a little research and a right. different way of thinking about it and helping to argue, they pull back. As a, I used to host radio shows and, you know, you relied on print columnists to help you with topics and to give you the confidence to go with your gut instinct. That has all been removed. If you're someone who's patriotic about America and a sports fan and you host a radio show or sitting on TV, there's no print version to help you make your case. And that's one of the main reasons why I'm writing every day. I'm trying to give people the ammunition they need to go do their radio shows and have the confidence to stand up for what they believe in and what they believe about this country. That's a that's an interesting take because I was talking to someone about this the other day when when we were younger and you and I were, you know, 25 years ago, you'd be at a Super Bowl or a big event, a World Series or and there were writers who were the influencers, you know, there was your old buddy, Mike Lupica, but there were so many others in the old days, yeah. Jim Murray and, you know, Scott Osler and Bob Verdi and Mitch Album, who wrote a, a, yeah. a great piece the other day on Deshaun uh, Jackson. And I was talking to someone about this and said, I don't know who those people are anymore. Clearly, you're filling that void. But when you look around the country, you don't see a lot of that. That has really changed. Now it's, as you mention all the time, as you write all the time, now it's tweets. It's Twitter that's it's pushing the narrative. They've elevated people without substance, people who can fill up 140, 280 characters to the influencers where it used to take a legitimate journalist with chops that this people critics will hear this wrong, but I'm just being accurate. Take a uh, Jamel Hill. She is as a journalist. She was pretty average and over Twitter. She's a powerhouse and her voice really resonates over Twitter at 280 characters a pop. She can't sustain, you know, you go back and look at her history as a journalist when she had to rely on that, wasn't much to it. But Twitter has amplified the voices of people with not a lot of substance, people who can race bait and demonize people in a hundred in two or three sentences. Uh, and that's all you need. And they've amplified those voices and created this level of polarization and division that has this country at the brink of a damn near race war or collapse. <laughs> it's uh, it's a great point. I, I refer to her all the time because she's got a million plus followers on Twitter. She you know loses one job, gets another one the next day. She's making more money than I am, probably than you are. She's not a good writer. She's not a good writer. I read her column the other day in The Atlantic, which she was comparing her situation to Deshaun Jackson's, and it was just clumsy and awkward, and it doesn't – it's not – it, it, you know, you and I go back to when, you know, you had to be a good writer to be a prominent columnist, and she is not one. Well, you had to either be a good writer, a good thinker, right? Uh, someone who could evaluate a situation and pe put people ahead of the conversation. And even with the help of some editors at The Atlantic, she struggles there. And again, I'm not trying to disparage, I'm just speaking factually. She's a great powerhouse over Twitter. There's others that have influence over Twitter, but all they really have are two or three sentences of demonization of somebody or an accusation about somebody 
they can't sustain it journalistically. And that's why it's just so disappointing where we are right now in the American media. Twitter's influence is just greatly exaggerated. And it's like that Barry Weiss that or Barry Weiss that just left the New York Times with that great letter. And, you know, Twitter's the editor of the New York Times. Yeah, I thought I thought of you when I read that. She said Twitter's editor. And, and you've been making that point for a long time. I have, too. It's you can feel it when you see a tweet from some someone with a lot of followers and a lot of influence. And, and usually it's some race based race baiting thing. You can feel the editors at the newspapers, which are dying, but you, at their sports radio stations, at the TV stations, you can, you know, they're thinking, I got to get, I got to listen to this. This is, this is important because look what Jamel Hill tweeted or look what whoever, you know, uh, uh, Rachel Maddow or Chris, Chris Hayes said, and they react to that. They're, they don't think, they don't. Uh, you know, put any thought into it. It's just, you know, look what or right say. now what we have going on is a lot of athletes have been empowered Good point. and propped up as the voices that matter the most. And they're the thought leaders. And every day, one of them gets exposed doing something clearly racist. They're, they're fighting racism right. with racism. And they're out over their skis. And look, I, I'm a former college football player. I don't have any problem with athletes. Athletes have been my best friends in life. But when you walk off a college campus at 21 or 22 and become an instant millionaire and then spend the next 10 to 15 year life as a millionaire getting pampered to and catered to, that's not really preparing you to be a spokesman on the criminal justice system and all these other things that they're trying to be spokesmen of. They're really, and people get upset when I say this, but LeBron James is the exact same as Donald Trump. Pampered and spoiled for decades, <laughs> catered to for decades. Ever since LeBron James was about 10 years old, there have been a gaggle of men trying to get him to age 18 and into the NBA. Hummer cars given to him. I'm sure uh, anything he needed to get Hummer, through life. I, I, he was on the cover of SI at 16, I believe, right? 16, yeah. 17. Yeah. Uh, and so it's like it's comical. I hear him always criticizing Trump and like Trump. And I'm like, you guys are the same people. You, you're both addicted to social media. You both speak inarticulately. Uh, LeBron's really grammatically challenged anybody. Yeah. And most of the stuff he says, there's not a lot of substance to it. There's a lot of venom. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, condes condescension. But anyway, right. I, I just, we've elevated uh, unqualified journalists and athletes as the leaders of this country. And the country's going to hell in a handbag. I, I, I use this example all the time. They've spent their lives, LeBron. I, I, my example is Roger Clemens. Spent his adult life. When he talked, people wrote it down. And people hung on his every word. And they had it on camera. And they had it on tape. And they. so he eventually thought what he was saying mattered. He eventually. Why wouldn't you? Know, He's, he's not bright. He's not articulate, but he thought what he what he said, he'd say something dumb and he thought it was profound because that's the way the media treated him. And you've seen it with other people in the same way, like, a, I don't know, like Sugar Ray Leonard. He always thought he was really smart. And I'm going, what makes him think he's smart? He's not. And it was because they hung on his every word and he thought what he was saying had substance. And LeBron's another great example of that.
I used, I mean, I, this was really eye opening for me and I, you've written about it, but the other, in the last couple of weeks, two athletes said something really controversial. One of them got support from uh, his colleagues, his peers. The other didn't. And I'm talking about Deshaun Jackson, who said, you know, Hitler, uh, who quoted, uh, Thanks, Hitler, yeah. quoted Hitler saying the Jews have a plan to dominate the world. The others drew Brees, who said he would never kneel for the anthem. And you can, you, you were, you were uh, following this as closely as I was. There was more support for Deshaun Jackson than there was for Drew Brees. It's unbelievable. But <laughs> that's where we are right now because of Twitter's influence. It, if you listen to Jack Dorsey, he went on a Joe Rogan podcast and said Twitter is intended to uh, amplify certain marginalized voices. And uh, I think those of us who are male, heterosexual, and Christian, that's not one of the voices they're trying to amplify. I think they're trying to marginalize that voice. I have no problem with people that aren't male, Christian, and heterosexual, none whatsoever. I'm not sure if I think their voice is more important than my voice. Right. And I'm not sure if we if if I think it's necessarily fair and appropriate that their voice get amplified above mine. And I understand the history of the world and of America that hey the the Christian heterosexual voice has always had great power around the world. I get that. But I'm not sure if we should even the score by diminishing my voice and amplifying others well above my voice. I'm not sure if that's fair either. The theme that you are, the, the character that you've talked about, written about probably the most in the last three years, me too, he just keeps giving, man, is uh, Colin Kaepernick. Where, in your opinion, uh, he's not, in my opinion, he's not playing. He's comfortable being a martyr. It's profitable. He's making money. He's, he doesn't have to even speaking to guys who have to speak and think they're saying something profound. He doesn't even have to do that. He doesn't have to talk. He just hides and waits and lets everyone do his uh, bidding for him. Where will he be in three years? Uh, he'll, be 30, he'll be 36. He won't be in the NFL. He'll nope. be somewhere. Look, I tell people there's a, uh, documentary on netflix called wild wild west yeah yeah or wild wild country wild wild country about the cult in oregon in oregon yes and kaepernick is bogwan bogwan <laughs> barely said anything he had, had a dozen rolls royces he had an assistant sheila just like kaepernick has nessa his girlfriend who did all the bogwan's talking uh bogwan was a bit of a sexual predator and, uh, you know, just had his sway over women. And uh, if there's so I'm cap is Bogwan, and eventually those guys get exposed and Bogwan got run out of the U.S. and had to escape on a plane late at night or whatever. And uh, uh, eventually that's what's going to happen to Kaepernick. I, I'm, he's going to get fully exposed. And even his followers will eventually. You think, but he's really been empowered. I mean, you've seen people. Uh, there was a guy at Barstool who, who did a whole Mia Culper said he misunderstood Kaepernick. Now he knows, you know how how heartfelt Kaepernick's message was, and mm -hmm. before he didn't, because of George Floyd, you know the world changed. Yeah. 
the whole world changed because of George Floyd. And Kaepernick got more cachet. He got more respect because lots of people say, gee, he was right. You know, the cop. No, I mean, look, you're right. That is the reaction right now. I just don't think it's built to last. And look, maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe the world has changed completely, that the truth is completely irrelevant. That the truth, and again, that's where we're at right now. The, the truth is irrelevant. I don't think that can last forever. I don't think it can last much longer than a year or two. And eventually, men and women and people who value the truth are going to say, I've had enough. And we're going to go back to reality. I, I think if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong about a lot of things. I'm I mean, wrong about everything I've been taught from the Bible and I'm just wrong and, and I'll just have to accept it. I mean, uh, that's the, certainly the hope, but you feel like, do you feel like I do that there's zero chance that he plays, that he does not want to be exposed? No, he doesn't want to play. He, right. Cap has no interest in playing. And there's a lot of guys in the NFL that don't have an interest in playing. The NFL is a tough game. Football's a tough game. And it, Malcolm Jenkins doesn't care about playing anymore. He just he's made 70 million. The Saints gave him a nice little nine million, I think, signing bonus. He he coronavirus may end this season. Malcolm Jenkins, any any action he takes moving forward, just evaluating from the premise of he doesn't care about playing. It's over. He's gotten all he can out of the game and he's ready to move on. Kaepernick does not want to play anymore. All right. Well, good luck on the trip to Nashville. You're heading to Nashville now, right? You're uh, no, no, no. I, I I got about eleven days now before I, I I was supposed to be eight days from moving, but I kicked that company to the curb, signed oh, with right. a new one. I got eleven more days in sunny oh. LA. Well, I respect the move and I look forward to it. And uh, good luck with it. Good luck. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. Uh, we will talk to you again. All right. That was Jason Whitlock, formerly of Fox Sports 1, formerly of ESPN and a bunch of other places now with OutKick. OutKick. It was, uh, I'm telling you, that move, Cullinane, blew everybody away in the business. But it was, uh, I'm impressed because, like he said, he's doing it for the freedom. He was making a good living on Fox. He was pretty high profile, living in L.A. He is today, uh, he's been waiting for the some moving company she didn't show up. He's been waiting <laughs> to pack up his stuff and move to Nashville. He's kind of going the other way from the Beverly Hillbillies. He's moving from Beverly Hills to Nashville to write for OutKick. And maybe it's, you know, for the money. He admitted he's got, you know, financial interest in OutKick. But he's cranking. He's writing a column every day. And if you don't read him, you should, because they're very uh, thoughtful. He's a born contrarian, as he made clear. I feel like uh, I feel like one of those strippers that used to give him laugh dances. I'm... I'm I'm uh, stroking them so much, but they're good. I mean, they're must read every day. His first one, like I said, was about God and country. He writes like the contrarian he is. You're, if you get sick of the group think, particularly from sports people like ESPN and, you know, Woj and Jamel Hill and Max Gellerman and all the rest, this is a voice of dissent, a voice that is pushing back against the mob, which is what he's doing, which is why. It's uh, he's so he's so good right now. Hopefully, you know, outkick. Hopefully, he raises the profile of the whole place. But I feel like uh, it's an important voice right now when the whole country is just going nuts. Just I think it's a, I think it's a good play. I don't think it's as much of a, a risk as you're kind of pointing it out to be. To be honest with you, I think that Clay Travis he built up outkick 
to be a, I mean, that was already a go-to website for me because they, they always did that intersection of sports, politics, and media, to be honest with you. They were always in on the media stuff, which I like with sports, you know? So I think when you, when you bring in a guy, uh, such an opinionated guy who's writing unbelievable columns on a daily basis and he's unfiltered, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's a great move. He left, he left Fox. He left yeah. LA. He moved yeah. to Nashville. I mean, again, maybe he's going to make a fortune. Maybe he's got a part of the company. I'm sure he does. But it's a bold move in this day and age. You know, there are not a lot of jobs out there. And um, he's burned some bridges. I don't think he can go back to ESPN anytime soon. No, but go look. Like, go look at a video on Twitter. You guys were talking about this. Go look at a video from FS1 on Twitter and see what the engagement level is, right? And now compare that to the columns that he's writing at Outkick. It's night and day. It's well, like day. interesting point he made that he's hearing from owners and coaches. And yeah. I think what he's doing really successfully, and he knows it, is filling a void. You know, I mean, when you talk about whoever, you know, uh, in Max Kellerman, there's a million guys saying the same thing. When you talk about, you know, whoever, uh, Dan Lebetard or Colin Cowherd or, you know, talk about writers, there's, it's a big echo chamber. He is filling a void where he's coming from another uh, perspective. It's not, he's not a, you know, right wing zealot like me. He's more of a, a contrarian who goes against the grain. Uh, and, you know, he doesn't love Trump. He doesn't vote. He doesn't do politics per se. He's very proud of the fact that he never voted, which is a little odd. Maybe we'll get into that next time, but you know, he's not on his side, but he is definitely a contrarian who is pushing back. He doesn't like the mob. He doesn't like the mob rule, the Twitter mob. And he's always pushing back. He had a great column today. I think I read yeah, today about this Brianna Taylor. It's actually about Kenny Stills, the uh, Texans wide receiver who got arrested protesting the fact that the DA in Kentucky is not um, press charges against the cops who killed Brianna Taylor. And you hear people say, you know, justice for Brianna, well, he does the deep dive. He does, I don't know, 800, 900 words on it that in this day and age, that's considered a deep dive. And he explains that when the cops busted in with a no knock warrant, which was signed by a judge, her boyfriend turned and shot them. He shot, he hit one cop, wounded him. So the cops opened fire. They were together in bed and she died. That's not the cop's fault. That's the boyfriend's fault. This is a black guy, an African American columnist. Defending the cops who shot Brianna Taylor. You can look all day, Colonnade, and you will find no one else anywhere. Small town, big town, TV, radio, Twitter, who does what he does. You know, when you get the mob, people tend to go with the mob. They tend to, you know, uh, fear going against the grain. And that's why he's good. Most guys, you know, most of your, you know, typical columnists, liberal columnists, you know, black, they'll, they'll defend. Uh, they'll attack the cops, defend whoever, defend Brianna Taylor, I guess. Where he goes in, he gives you the facts, he gives you the, you know, the details and says, you know, this is stupid. If they press charges against these cops, the cops will walk and you'll have more, uh, unrest, you know, more violence. It was a really good piece, but he does this every day. Yeah. I mean, listen, I give, I give him credit. We keep talking. We don't need to kiss his ass all day long, but I mean, no, what else can at, we say? but at some, at some point, right? Like you did it in the mornings, right? You were, you talk sports so much and you're just sitting there like, I can't fake my interest in the game or whatever. So he's on FS1 and, he's, and he wants to be talking yeah. about something else. Like at some point too, it's just about, you know, integrity to some extent, right? Like you don't, a producer's given him all this content and it's about SEC football or some shit. And he's yeah, thinking I, I about think, writing about, you know, what's going on in the country. 
I think it's a great match with uh, OutKick because Clay Travis said the same thing. When the ESPN named their new morning show, radio show, yep. it's uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, and some other guy. And you know they'll be predictable, I think. I mean, I like Keyshawn. We used to have him on the radio all the time in the old days, but um, it'll be predictable. You know, they'll be, you know, they'll, they'll love Kaepernick and they'll, you know, they'll hate all the right things and it'll be what you'd expect. There is no pushback. There is no contrarian on that show. I don't think. And Clay Travis said, this is the best news for us because they're filling a void. I think what Clay Travis and, and Outkick and uh, Whitlock have figured out is this intersection of sports and culture, sports and politics is never ending. It's not yeah. a one time thing. Kaepernick's not a guy who comes along and boom, you talk about him for a day or two and then it's back to, you know, who's going to be the fifth starter. It's every day. I mean, we did it on radio. You know, I did it with Minahan before that with Dino. It was kind of like something we did all the time and sports radio and ESPN, they don't want to do it all the time. They want to get back to good, safe, spaces good sports safe spaces and travis and whitlock are just the opposite they're yep. like bring it on let's do you know deshaun jackson let's do nick cannon let's do uh Woj attacking josh hawley there's always something that yep. you can you can debate and he's, he's saying all the right things too i mean he's looking at like he said he's looking at the world he's looking at the digital space he's seeing guys like portnoy which obviously portnoy busted his ass to get to the point where they are but Right now, it, it's kind of already been built, and he already has this built-in audience that he can jump right in there and get in the mix. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, even Travis, this bump that they're getting, you know, I I didn't really see too much of Clay Travis before the Whitlock stuff. I'm not saying he was obviously out there, but he's got three podcasts in the top 30 right now. <laughs> so no, it's, no, it, it's, it was it's, a great it was a great move on his part. I mean, yeah. I mean Whitlock's a great hire or a great signing, whatever you're going to call it, but they are filling that void. Because you know what? There's no sports. I don't know if you noticed. There's really no sports. Yep. So this culture war is takes center stage for everybody. And there are a lot of sports people that are sitting back, as you know, because, you know, you know, sports radio, they're sitting back saying, please, could they just start playing games so I could stop talking about, you know, uh, Kaepernick and the uh, the Uyghur Muslims and LeBron? I mean, they're like, please just give me a game so I can go back to my boring sports talk. And these guys are saying, screw that. We want it. Bring it on. Let's let's talk about LeBron and and, and the Uyghurs, the, the 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 Muslims who are in concentration camps. That's good stuff. To me, it's always been more interesting in talking about the games. But we'll see how it goes when the games return. Well, let's give them uh, let's give them a plug too, because I think uh, you know. Listen, it's still what they're doing is still. I'm not saying it's a startup, but it's damn near kind. Of, it's got that feel, right? Like it's yeah. Got that's their, what I called it a startup out of yeah, Nashville. Yeah, you were a little, I'm not aggressive, but you were like downplay. Outkick is an entity now. I mean, it's not, he's got a nationally syndicated radio show. I mean, he's not a nobody here, but I do think, I think they have a subscription program. Uh, I'm just pulling up their website on my phone. Yeah, it's $99 a year. So, and you get exclusive. Give me a free one or something. What do I get? Well, I just want to pull. I mean, they're, they're doing something that's a startup. It's entrepreneurial. We got to plug it, right? So you get some exclusive Clay Travis and uh, Jason Whitlock exclusive content behind the scenes stuff. So there's plenty of stuff. So you can go check it. Outkick. VIP. It's only ninety nine bucks a year, so go help him. It's, it's an entrepreneurial thing. Go help him out. Right. Well, yeah, I didn't know he gave up the strippers. I didn't know that he used to be a big stripper guy, and he gave up food. He has one meal, one meal Whitlock. If you follow him, he eats one meal a day. He lost like hundred pounds, but doesn't sound like as as fun a guy as he used to be. But whatever, <laughs> he's 
well worth reading. I, I suggest you go back to the first column he wrote a month ago for Outkick about his love of country and God and Jesus and how that's just not yeah, not acceptable these can days. He, you're, you're a writer. Can, can he keep that up like a column a, a day point. like that? You. That's a good question, and I am amazed. I couldn't. It takes a lot. I mean, maybe he's, you know, doesn't strain and stress over it like I do, but he's been writing every day. Like he said before we started the the uh, podcast, that he's got no wife, no kids. It makes it easier. He's got free time. So he, and he likes to write. Yeah, it's, not, he, it's not like a blog. Like, it's not like a barstool blog. No, it's a, he, well it is a legit column. column with research. And, yeah. It is. And I tell you what, he's, it's a great point that he said he wanted to write something that all the other media people would refer to and use. And it's true. There's not much of that anymore. I remember in the old days, you'd have like 10 columns printed out of prominent columnists and you'd uh, be referring to it and highlighting it and, you know, that's how we did the job. Now there's just Twitter. And, you know, occasionally you'll see guys, uh, you know, Shaughnessy still writes occasionally. That's the stuff that's worth reading. And occasionally there's a you know, Mike Lupiker or uh, I don't know who uh, there's not many, not many guys. There used to be hundreds of them and uh, they would give you the material that set you on your way when you did a talk show. Not many guys like that, but Whitlock is definitely one of them. Like I said. I was reading about Brianna Taylor today saying, damn, nobody else has done this. I don't know why it's available. It's information's out there, but he criticized Kenny Stills. Everyone else is kissing his ass because he's so woke. And he said, this guy's a dope. He's wasting his time and energy. This is not a good cause. That is the definition of contrarian in this day and age. And it's a black guy. And it's, you know, not a crazy right winger like, you know, like uh, Tom Thomas Soul or you know, one of those. It's it's a real thoughtful black guy. But anyway, enough kissing his ass. All right. Well, Friday, special show. That special means, Friday. That means, that means that the listeners have a job, which actually they are listening because we got a lot of them this week. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All right. The least you can do is shit all over Tom Shattuck's hat in the Apple podcast review section. That's the least you can do if you're listening to this Uncle show. Uncle Buck Shattuck. He took a lot of grief for that, but uh, yeah, it, you, and I saw, you and I saw him before he put the hat on, so it was an improvement. I'll give him that. Yeah, but he did it He did it in a time where like, we didn't have the time to give him shit and tell him not to wear the hat. He put it right before we started recording. I think we new laughed image. and I had already clicked the I button. New image. He's going to go with the different hat every time. He's going to become yeah. a hat guy, even though his head is the size of a, a, a an award-winning gourd. It's... <laughs> It's uh, misshapen and massive, but I think he's going to become a, a hat guy. But that's good. We just gave you a commercial-free bonus podcast. The least you can do for us is uh, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. Anything else, Cullinane? That's all. That's all. That's all. I'm Jerry Callahan. This is the Callahan Podcast. We will talk to you again real soon. Why am I stopping? No one else stops. I don't. I, can I go home? The Jerry Callahan Podcast.